Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. For kids when you're young, you know what, looking back, we're all young once and it's an opportunity where guess what? To be able to play multiple sports is fun. It keeps us engaged. It keeps us mentally fresh so that we're not burned out. I can I can't tell you how many times I see these summer schedules, whatever sport it may be, and I see the workload that these kids are doing. And honestly, I say if you're in a sport longer than a professional athlete is in his sport during a season, you've got a problem, a big problem. Because as you know, the, the biggest challenge in professional sports, it's kind of a war of attrition. Who can survive the grueling schedule and continue to bounce back and perform at a high level? day after day after day it doesn't matter what sport it is it is a grind physically and more so it's a grind mentally that was former mount vernon standout multi-sport athlete mark hendrickson he's one of 13 players to ever play in the mlb and nba and he's today's guest welcome to dan dickow's quarantine series on the scorebook live today podcast As the world, particularly the world of sports, is shut down due to the coronavirus, we're ramping things up a notch here at Scorebook Live. Every weekday, Dan interviews an expert in the world of sports, from star hoopers and coaches like Steve Kerr, Jamal Crawford, and Doug Christie, to seven-time Mr. Olympia bodybuilder Phil Heath. We hope you're entertained and maybe learn a thing or two as we navigate these uncertain times. The easiest way to tune in is by subscribing. In addition to our weekly Washington High School Sports News and Conversation podcast released Thursdays, hosted by myself, Andy Bueller, fellow reporter Todd Millis, Dan is bringing you interviews just like this one delivered five days a week. Head to wherever you get your podcast, subscribe for free, and while you're there, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Before we get to Dan's interview today, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Washington Federal. Washington Federal is a local bank and portfolio lender with more than 200 branches across eight states, more than 32,000 fee-free ATMs, 24-7 online and mobile banking with drive-up ATMs. Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live. They care deeply about high school sports and the communities that support them across the entire state of Washington. Head to WFDBank.com to learn how they can help you meet your financial goals. That's WAFDBank.com. Washington Federal, a neighbor you can count on. We hope everybody's staying safe and healthy. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Now, Dan Dickow. with our Scorebook Live Washington Quarantine Series podcast where we continue to bring experts in the world of sports, whether it's a coach, a player, a broadcaster. Um, We hope that our guests can bring you guys a little bit of wisdom and knowledge and some stories about their past to help motivate and keep the positivity for high school student athletes, coaches, and parents. Today we've got a really unique and special guest in regards that he could be considered the greatest athlete all time from the state of Washington because he did what only 13 players or athletes have done, and that's play Major League Baseball and play in the NBA. It's none other than 1992 graduate of Mount Vernon, 
Mark Hendrickson. Mark, we really appreciate you making some time and, and joining with me on a call today. How is everything back on the East Coast for you? It, it's it's going okay. You know, looking forward to this. Anytime I can reminisce about the good old days, whether it's high school or college, uh, it's exciting and, and fun to be a part of. And, and I'm sure you'll forgive me being a Washington State Coug, and I'll forgive you for being a, a Husky and a Gonzaga Bulldog. So... Well, I will definitely forgive you for that, for sure. You know, I want to, you know, start off by going uh, back in time. I mentioned you graduated in 92. Um, you were a tremendous athlete. Baseball and basketball, you won a state title in baseball. You had a second place as well as two state titles in basketball. What are the biggest or the best memories from your time at Mount Vernon winning those championships? Uh, probably was just the overall talent that came out of that area. I think anytime you, you go into college or into professional ranks, it's amazing how many talented athletes come out of the state of Washington. Um, and for me, during that run that we had there for pretty much 90 to 92, um, we had some talented kids that uh, were multi-sport athletes that were very successful in a lot of other sports. I mean, uh, to have that run, and I'll put it up against pretty much anybody. We played in three title games in a row in basketball. And then in baseball, we won when I was a sophomore, we won the state championship. And we won the state championship as a senior as well. And ironically, the, the part that people don't understand is I played part uh, senior legion baseball in the summer. And my senior year, we put all the kids from the, the neighboring schools that were out of Skagit County, and that included Mount Vernon, Anacortes, Cedra Woolley, and Burlington Edison. And that by far had probably the most talented group of kids on one team that I've ever been a part of at any level for the level it was at. We had a kid who played in the NFL, Cameron Cleland. Um, we had probably three or four kids get drafted in baseball. And then obviously myself getting drafted in basketball as a sports team to have that many guys go and have future success. So that was a big thing. And then also just going to the state tournament, you know, Mount Vernon traveled very, very well. I mean, there was never a time where we didn't have probably five, 6,000 people that would go down to the Tacoma Dome for the state tournament. I mean, our whole town shut down. And that's one thing I know uh, over the years, the state tournament has changed venues. But for us, when we went to the Tacoma Dome, it was great because the girls and the boys went together. So if our girls made the state tournament, the, the whole town shut down and we were there. And we had a great run against a school district uh, battleground that we played back-to-back -back state title games against and probably would have played them a third time had they not lost in regionals. But we played them the first night in 92. And that might, might have been the biggest crowd ever for a state tournament game in Tacoma Dome because they traveled very well uh, as well so it's just some some good memories some good times a lot of pressure but the the town folk really enjoyed it and a lot of good memories yeah I remember uh, some of those state tournaments uh, I grew up in the battleground area I went to their rival high school Prairie so I knew yes. those teams very well I followed all the articles I, I believe I listened to the state championship game on the radio because I was I wasn't able to make it up there um, but you played for a legendary coach in Mac Frazier. Uh, what did you learn from him as far as how to compete and, and how to prepare? Because I've got a number of friends that 
came from the Mount Vernon area over the years, and they have the utmost respect for Coach Frazier and what he meant to their careers and also their lives. Yeah, Mac Frazier, uh, you know, to have a coach at that level and the impact you have, you got to remember you're, you're coaching and teaching, you know, teenagers, you know, trying to lay the foundation for going on and, and leaving the nest, so to speak. And for him, it's kind of similar to Mark Few's run at Gonzaga. Once you establish yourself as a quality coach, you know, the one thing I admire about high school coaches is you're kind of dealt with your talent. You know, your talent is what it is. You're not out there you got to kind of mold uh, the kids that you have. You've got to run a program that starts at a young, a young age and keep kids a lot of things. That's uh, actually started, I think, my sophomore years when we took it to the next level. Tim Caviezel, and we had gotten to that championship game in 1990, and I don't think anybody really expected us to. And uh, obviously, we didn't perform very well. But the night before in the semis, we beat an undefeated Enumclaw team that everybody thought was going to win that year. And that kind of just set the tone that, hey – we can get here. We belong here. And all the kids that watched us right now, once you and the team maybe right before you, as we were discussing, got to a point where, hey, we belong here. We can get to this level. Now, all of a sudden, you see kids wanting to be a part of that. And obviously, that's attributed to the coach and what they can do. But a lot of times, the team is a reflection of the coach. So if you see consistency on the court year in and year out, Yes, it's talented players, but a lot of times it's the coach because I've been on talented teams that honestly don't perform very leadership. Yeah, I, I 100% believe and agree with what you said about the coach kind of setting the tone and, and being a leader. As mentioned, you were a multi-sport athlete in high school. Um, baseball, basketball, I believe tennis as well when I kind of did a little prep for our conversation. That's starting to go by the wayside, unfortunately, for a lot of kids these days because there's so many trainers that are pushing sports specialization. What would be your advice to kids as far as who might be good at more than one sport at a young age? Um, I, would, I would argue till, till I die that multiple sports at a young age is so beneficial for kids, not only physically in the preparation I could break it down to you like this. When I played high school tennis, you're a basketball player. You know what, what's basketball all about. It's not about just being able to be quick in a straight line. You've got to stop and start. You've got to you know, be able to cut side to side, up and back, diagonal. And, and what better sport preparation to do in high school than tennis? Because if you've watched any tennis at a high level, those guys have such – quickness and the ability to stop and start change direction it is some of the best athletes in the world are our tennis players for that reason and then you translate that into getting prepared for basketball it's a great uh prerequisite for basketball and then also for kids when they're young you know what looking back we're all young once and, and it's an opportunity where guess what to be able to play multiple sports is fun. It keeps us engaged. It keeps us mentally fresh so that we're not burned out. I, can, I can't tell you how many times I see these summer schedules, whatever sport it may be, and I see the workload that these kids are doing. And honestly, I say if you're 
in a sport longer than a professional athlete is in his sport during a season, you've got a problem, a big problem. Because as you know, the, the biggest challenge in professional sports, it's kind of a war of attrition. Who can survive the grueling schedule and continue to bounce back and perform at a high level day after day after day? It doesn't matter what sport it is. It is a grind physically and more so it's a grind mentally. Yeah, that grind, um, as far as a professional athlete, I would agree that the, the, the mental grind might be harder than the physical grind, just because there was a, a lot of times for me personally, you'd wake up, you don't remember what city you're in until you, you know, open your hotel room door to get the newspaper. Oh, okay, I'm in Minneapolis today. The next day, oh, I'm in Chicago. Uh, and that's difficult. Now, you had the opportunity to play professionally baseball and basketball. You were drafted coming out of high school, but you decided to go to Washington State and play both sports. What was the reasoning behind that? Uh, control. I had seen a lot of athletes when they came out of high school that felt like you could sign and play baseball in the summer. But I knew and I had a good family uh, circle that said, once you sign your rights away, your property of the team, regardless of what that contract structure is, and I wanted to keep control of what I wanted to do. And I wanted to go to college. I wanted to be a part of the NCAA tournament. I wanted to be a part of that experience. Looking back on it, it was the best decision I could have made because those four years in college gave me the discipline and the foundation for, for success in life. Because as you know, as a college athlete, they have you structured from sunup to sundown and help you with time management and be able to get the things that we need as young men and young athletes that you just don't get uh, in professional baseball, not at that time. And so uh, I can remember one time when I did sign, I went down to extended spring, which extended spring training is for the young kids. Usually for the kids that come out, uh, they'll prepare for a short season. As you recall, I think up there in the Northwest League, there's a short A season. That's usually for kids that come out of the draft. They come out of high school, they come out of college, they get a couple of months of the season. And it was interesting because I remember the farm director saying to these kids at the time, and you got to remember, I just came off my first NBA season where, you know, I'm playing against Michael Jordan and the Bulls against the second, you know, their second three-peat run. And he's having this discussion with teenagers saying that you guys are professional athletes now. And I, I kind of laughed because I'm like, these kids have no clue what it's like to be a professional athlete. They may have a little bit of money in their pocket. They may be wearing a uniform that says, you know, for me at the time it said Toronto, but they're down in Florida in a spring training facility and they're going to go to the likes of, of Everett Washington and Bellingham Washington to play for a couple months you and I both know that is nothing <laughs> like a professional athlete and what you have to experience at the highest level yeah that's uh that had to have been a, a heck of a, a change going from end of a NBA season to now you know doing the minor league baseball thing as you had mentioned but you had talked about Washington State gave you the ability to play both. It gave you the, the discipline and kind of the structure that a lot of kids, um, and you might not have needed it, but a lot of kids need at that time. What was the biggest thing about playing for Coach Kelvin Sampson? Because you guys were really good when you were there playing for Coach Sampson. Coach Sampson knew how to bring out the best uh, in kids and he, he was so instrumental for me for those two years. I can remember when he actually called me into his office, uh, a couple things. The first year, 
you know, I was really struggling, as you know, when you get to college and you get on campus, you play pickup games the first couple months of the season before you get into school. And I was really struggling um, at that time. And I remember going in there as a freshman and he looked me in the eye and he said, hey, Mark, I I'm going to live with you and I'm going to die with you. It's just one of those things. I'm going to you're my guy. And for a coach to say that to a freshman, that probably was the biggest impactful statement that I heard in my entire career. Because as a freshman, I probably played more minutes than I did any other year. And that just propelled me because I had a, a coach who instilled that confidence in me from day one. And the impact was tremendous. And so he just knew how to, he just had a tough minded team. He just goes after guys that, you know, he had this blue collar award. And I thought it was a great award that I you know, had never really heard about until I got there. It basically was saying our success is based on everything but points. And he kept a chart from charges, steals, assists, rebounds, all the little things that go into a basketball game that are important to help a team win. And so he kept that chart and it was a yearly chart and he gave out the award at the end of the year. I won that both years. I was, he was there as the coach. And that just kind of gave everybody the mindset of saying, hey, look, we need everybody to do the little things. If we can get everybody to concentrate on the little things, all the other stuff's going to take care of itself. And that was something that was very, very important because it's hard to get talented kids to understand the nuances of a sport and all the little things that go into being successful. And that could be at any level. We've seen it. You've seen it. NBA players You've seen it with college players as well as high school players. Sometimes the most talented person doesn't have that drive or attention to detail to make them even better than they are. Yeah, the, the little things I, I've always believed um, end up becoming enormous things to create success. Now, I know we only released the audio, so people that will be listening to this conversation won't see the picture that is behind you. It's a picture of you uh, blocking out Michael Jordan. Uh, looks like it's at a free throw uh, on a free throw line. Um, it's been really fun for me reminiscing watching the last dance. I had a chance to play against Michael Jordan my rookie year. It was his last year against the Wizards. You played against him in his prime during that second three-peat. What was it about Michael Jordan you that was awesome to play against at that time? What I would tell people when I first saw him, yes. I mean, it's funny because watching The Last Dance as well, it's interesting because my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, actual game at the United Center and watch uh, when I was with the Sacramento Kings, watch us play the Bulls. And I, I can remember her behind the scenes as Michael Jordan walked by her. It was the first time, I remember the first time I played when I was in Philadelphia. I didn't have to play. I was on the Phantom injured list which was, at the time was okay because I was able to take it all in. And I think that was the important thing because to me to watch them and see probably something I've never seen as an, in an athlete since is the level of attention that that team got on a nightly basis. I mean, it's one thing to shoot in an arena as an NBA player. It's another thing to shoot as Michael Jordan and see thousands of flashbulbs going every time he shoots and trying to focus with that. Uh, the biggest thing I think is important for anybody who's watched that documentary is when he says he's exhausted, you and I know 
what it's like to go through just an NBA season and be exhausted. And the demand that you and I had as professional basketball players was nowhere near the demand that he had off the court. So imagine that, and I thought this was probably the best scene, and I don't want to ruin if somebody missed it, but when he was sitting in his hotel room, if you remember, he had the stogie and he said, this is my life. I, I can't go out. You know, I can't do anything. And, you know, some people will say they want that life, but they'll find out real quick. They may not, it's not what it's cracked up to be. And for him, he handled it very well, and their team handled it well. It was probably the best team uh, that I ever saw because they just knew how to play play the game right and just get the win and move on. Yeah, the, the pressures that he had to play under um, were immense, and to watch that documentary has been eye-opening, and it's been really fun to relive it with my boys. Uh, but, again, you played two different sports at the highest level. Take Michael Jordan out of the equation, but with either sport, who is the greatest athlete that you ever were a teammate with or you competed against in either sport? That's tough. That's tough. I mean, the one thing I always uh, admired about baseball players is when you got to the major leagues, there was a lot of talented guys. And I mean, really athletic. A lot of times growing up, we kind of, you know, for me, I labeled baseball players as a certain thing, you know, maybe frat boys who, who didn't look very athletic off the field, but they had a craft that they were good at. But when you got to the major leagues, there was guys who had some multi-sport athletic skills in their background. Uh, and it showed, I mean, it's hard to say one or two particular people because to me, I've always valued NBA players as the greatest athletes in the world because I, I, anybody who sees me, I'm, you know, I'm six foot nine, probably now I'm about 235, 240. You know, I'm pretty big compared to the average American. But when people see me, I always tell them, I said, I was average for the NBA. I mean, I was average back in the day. I mean, you got to understand how big some of these individuals were and still are today and the skill set that they have for being that big, you know, they're just, to me, I just think we're the greatest athletes in the world or NBA players. I mean, they just, uh, for having that size, having that agility to be able to do various things, um, you know, watching some of the slam dunk contests the last couple of years, it's very impressive what guys can do. Yeah, it's, I would agree. I, I 100% believe uh, NBA athletes are the greatest athletes. That's not taking anything away from, from football players or, or certain baseball players because they are too. But the craft in baseball, I feel, is always just maybe a little bit more specialized for a particular position. Um, last question before I let you go. And you growing up in the Northwest, hopefully this question doesn't hit you too hard. You growing up in the Northwest, I can only imagine you were a big Mariners fan. Ken Griffey Jr., one of the greatest baseball players of all time, uh, hit his 600th home run off of you. And I'm asking this because uh, a good friend of mine, Grant Leap, a college teammate, uh, viewed you as a big-time role model, and he wanted to make sure that I asked you this question. What was it like to give up that 600th home run to a, a, a Pacific Northwest legend like Ken Griffey Jr.? You know, it is what it is. It was a hanging curveball on a 3-1 pitch. So, credit to him. Let's give up a home run to him. Um, 
I'm okay with it. I'm not going to let my competitive nature, you know, say that I'm bitter about it because honestly, I was at Washington State in 95. And 95 is when they had that divisional series against the Yankees. And anybody in the Northwest knows how pivotal that series was. And I can go back to our campus apartment in Pullman and the amount of noise that came from that little community, which was part of something probably greater in the state of Washington, was so instrumental in the success of the Mariners and, and the Mariners staying in Seattle. Because I have a soft spot. I'm a huge Seahawks fan. I love the Northwest. I do. I hate to say this. Coug fans are probably going to get mad at me. But I follow Gonzaga. I follow UW. I follow Wazoo. I support Washington. You know, it's one of those things. It's a great area. A lot of the country doesn't get a chance to go up there, and they kind of miss out on a gem in this country. And so uh, it's nice to see what the Mariners did in 95. It's nice to have been able to play in Safeco Field, which I consider one of the top venues in all of sports, along with uh, – so was it CenturyLink Century, Century for yeah. the football stadium? I mean, Seattle's got great facilities, great facilities, great fan base. You know, I think I saw Ken Griffey probably, oh gosh, it might've been three or four years after that home run. And he was in a, um, he was at a golf shop and he was um, in the restaurant. My wife and I were there for a wedding. And I walked back after I kind of caught a glimpse. I'm like, oh, there's Ken. And I should have went up and said something, but I didn't. And I feel bad. He knows me. He didn't really want his group. But, uh, you know, that's one thing that's, you know, looking back, it's one of those things. That it happened. It's, it's something that's part of my legacy. Maybe not in a good way, but it's nothing that I don't uh, look back on fondly. I mean, as far as just having the experience to pitch to him and what he meant to the Northwest area. Tremendous story. Um, really appreciate your time, Mark. I know uh, you being back on the East Coast, there's a, a time differential that we had to, to figure out. Um, I appreciate the stories. I appreciate the words of advice. Um, I appreciate also the fact that you pull for the Huskies, the Bulldogs, as well as your favorite. <laughs> so, um, I really appreciate you joining. Thanks again, and uh, you take care, and uh, hopefully we'll connect again at some point. Sounds good, Dan. Appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.